Right by toes. Yo! Now the next she wore a yellow ribbon. She wore it in the winter and the merry month of May. Welcome to episode, uh, I think it's 18D, we've decided, of the God's Own Scale podcast. And I'm once again, although I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but I'm once again joined by Mr. Peter Berry. Hi, Peter. Hi, Sean. Again, 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 again. <laughs> yes, There's, it's a bit of an echo in here, isn't there? Of, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Tenacity and perseverance is my are my middle names, so that that was lucky that uh, I was able to uh, continue and, and not give up the fight to get this episode out. So I'd just call it bloody mindedness. Bloody mindedness. Well, I, I must thank you, Peter, first of all, before we go on, because this is the third time that we tried to record this episode. Uh, there was uh, one aborted episode, one episode that was released that probably should have been aborted, but I'm happy to say. The tin can and piece of string has stretched all the way from North Staffordshire, Shropshire border to Sheffield, which crosses the Pennines. But nobody seems to have uh, took that string yet. So the connection sounds really good. Yeah, well, I sacrificed a goat to the great god of fibre and, and <laughs> had a, a new router put in. So hopefully now we're, uh, we're, a go- we're away. Well, this is the best I've ever heard you, Peter, to be honest, other than face to face. (laughs) It's like you sat in the room next to me. (laughs) Mm. Right. So this uh, episode is the Pony Wars special, Peter. Um, Pony Wars is a project very dear to your own heart. I know this because we've spoke about it a couple of times already. Um, And the subscription offer is live and has been live now for i think a couple of weeks or two or three weeks couple, now. yeah two 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 weeks i think now two weeks right two and okay half, maybe yeah and i'm sure that there will be people who are listening to this who are already subscribed and there may be people listening to this who've never heard of it so this is our opportunity to get the word out there for what pony wars is and what is coming down the line so peter tell me what pony wars is pony wars is uh a game which has achieved almost legendary status amongst uh, wargamers of a certain age, um, which originated back in the 1980s. In fact, anybody with an original copy of the rule will see that uh, the date of printing is 1980. Wow. So what we waffling on about, a set of rules that's now 40 years old, what, why does it have such a resonance with people? And I think because it's just fun. Uh, it was a pioneering, pioneering game because those of us with long enough memories to, to reach back into the far depths of the 1980s when we were avoiding dinosaurs and other archaic life forms, we realized wargaming was fairly stilted. Um, if you went to a show, it basically consisted of long lines of fairly indifferent looking terrain uh, with people looking very serious of a very poorly painted armies trying to outthink each other and out arguing each other. Competitions ruled, and there might have been a couple of trade stands lying around. That was your entertainment for the day. And people went on to shows to watch war games. 
Now, to a small group of young men, this was akin to watching grass grow, but <laughs> without any interest. <laughs> and we got a little group together where we lived in Halifax, and we just took the lighter side of gaming very, very seriously. We played every Sunday at uh, Ian Beck's house, uh, the leader, really, of our little group. Uh, and he, uh, uh, Mike Bussey, John Spencer, and myself, met there every Sunday, and we played all sorts of strange games. And we had this idea of taking games along to shows that people could join in. And by joining in, we didn't mean in a competition way to actually just we just to win with a a thousand point army or whatever to actually play a game with a character or a group of figures that was just slightly different so we started off by doing western gunfights which is a genre most of the i think are fairly familiar with now but again in those days it was slightly strange and a little bit looked down upon by the more serious frame of war game yes uh, and we had a massive uh, model gunfight and we took around shows people really enjoyed that and we did strange things along similar lines um we enjoy playing gladiator games gladiatorial combat still popular genre today but it was the same thing you know we'd have players against players uh but rather than take a little hex sheet along for people to play ian had this idea of building a scale model of the roman amphitheater okay and wow. so we ended up looking something like a seven foot by three foot scale model of the Coliseum <laughs> around war game shows north of England, north Midlands. I mean, this thing was massive. The, the crowd consisted of something like four or five thousand airfix figures, which were just really? spray painted white, had flesh on, dabbed hair on, and then stuck around the edge of this thing. And it just looked incredible. And the visual am- impact of this juice just drew people in. It was so different. Oh, we were all having fun and just cheering the dice throws. And it was a participation game before the ideas of participation games had really taken hold with, with yeah. gaming. Nowadays, again, the, the two a penny. But this was something really, really new. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard time to imagine if you weren't actually there. And these stranger ideas came. We'd, we'd, we had a very... Um, well-developed love for things like spaghetti westerns and the old uh, uh, B-movie westerns yeah. uh, and the absurd. I mean, like every person of our age at the time, we were just uh, mad about Monty Python. So yes. we had a, a well-developed sense of the ridiculous. Um, one day we went around to Ian's house. Uh, I came up, said, came up with this new idea. So I've, I've just been toying with this idea. Let's play U.S. Cavalry versus Indians. And who isn't up for a game of Cowboys and Indians? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And he said, this is a bit different. He said, what's going what's to happen is we're all going to play on the same side and we're going to control the, the Indians by dice throws. And we all looked a bit scant at him. And then we tried playing the game. And it was amazing. Even that first run through, I can remember it in Ian's, in Ian's house in the attic in his bedroom. Um, we didn't have any US cavalry or Indian figures. Okay. Um, this was, again, just something with a play test. We'd never done anything like this before. This was new. What we did have was a massive collection of 15 mil medievals. 
so this is a game we were playing in, in the privacy of uh, our own little clubhouse and we just use these so instead of uh, Indian Braves and horses we had a load of French Knights instead of dismounted US Cavalry we had English Longbowmen uh, the mounted Longbowmen were used for the US Cavalry uh, the various settlers and civilians well they were all peasants medieval peasants we'd got it didn't matter the moment we actually started playing the game and just letting our imaginations flow with what was happening they became transformed and we were straight in there you forgot that they were medieval knights they were hostiles you forgot they were medieval longbowmen they were b troop a very very ill-fated b troop yes and that first game was was just amazing we were just swept away of course it was rough and ready not everything worked properly it's a play testing thing but we then played that game continuously every game was different every game generated a different story straight out of a hollywood b movie yeah uh and ian's very deft approach with how the uh the mutual enemy moved reacted and ultimately outfought you on a very regular basis was a glory to behold this was something very very special and right from the start we knew this is something we we would have to take on the road yes and do the game and that's what we did so within a year of us actually putting that game together for the first time at ian's house we were painting indians lots and lots and lots of indians we were assembling uh cavalry troops ian was building terrain like a demon he was excellent at that and we took the show on the road and it was instant success because again people have got the idea that we would bring a game along that they could join in with but this time they weren't pitted against each other they were pitted against what would now be called an ai an artificial intelligence Oh, yes. It's been quite forward thinking for the early 80s. It, it, it was. It was just so, so different. It was it was completely, what do people say now, left field, yeah. uh, at right angles to, to conventional thinking. And it just took people's imagination. We would get people coming and just wanting to play that game all day. They would come to a show that we knew we would be attending and they would play the morning session, the afternoon session. That's some that achievement at an English show. It is. Yeah. And by that stage, we're the people doing that sort of thing, you know, doing doing participation games. Mm. Again, not on the scale that you see now, but we were not sort of like alone in doing that. Uh, and it just soldiered on. And it proved to be so popular. Instead of a game where you normally do it these, these years, this time, people produce a beautiful game, take it to a show, and then people never see it again because they've achieved the aim. People get bored of it very quickly. They don't want to see it again. Our Pony Wars game came back again and again and again, and its popularity never, ever waned. The great thing about it was people could turn up within five, ten minutes of actually seeing a game being played. They could be on the table having their command. And equally, within five or ten minutes of having their command, they could have it wiped out <laughs> and be ready for the next one. 
Uh, in the grand yeah. style, yes. Yeah, it, it, it was again. It's it achieved legendary status. Yeah, and people have copied the ideas, which is great. Um, but I don't think anybody's ever bettered it. No, it's. I think Pony Wars is one of those. I mean, I think it was probably too just a bit too early for me. I think I first started going to shows late 80s, I would say, 88, 89, something like that. So I probably just missed it. But it was certainly something I was aware of. Yes. Um, and I do remember, and I've still got the set of rules, actually, um, the original print. Um, and it, to my shame, it's, it's one of those rule sets that I bought, read, and then put on the on the shelf. Um, because on my at the time, I was a solo gamer. I wasn't in contact with my local club. And the thought of painting 600 Indians, <laughs> and I was a purist, so I wouldn't yep. be putting. Uh, well, I don't think I had 600 figures <laughs> to put on the table. Never mind, uh, have some medievals to uh, uh, proxy. But it was—it's something that's certainly been in my um, realm of knowledge of the wargaming history, and you—you you see it constantly referred to in magazines in the through the. Uh, late 80s 90s 2000s there's versions of it that have, as you said have been uh, adopted into other periods like most famously peter gilder with uh, his sudan game um and anytime the subject comes up on any f- facebook group or any forum there's a lot of fondness isn't there for that set of rules yes yep all right i reckon most of the adult population of war gamers of a certain age will have played that game yeah uh, certainly in the north and the midlands you know, yes we get down south with it but you think i think pretty much every war game had contact with it at some stage yes yeah so when was the rules first published because that Thank went you. from a set of notes uh, yeah. that ian had scribbled down and and you thought yeah this is wonderful to you know a published set of rules i reckon it took about 18 months um we were published by Tabletop, the, the Chaperon Tabletop, Bob Connor. Yeah. Uh, good old Bob. Um, um, he had printed a couple of previous sets of, of Ian's Noah's uh, uh, Gladiatorial Combat and, and, a, and a, a massive, massive Western Gunfight set called uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. I've got uh, a fond memory of them, Peter. Yeah. A, a, a three-volume set of rules which were the most incredibly detailed <laughs> uh rules you you can ever imagine i think i think we were taking moves down to quarter of a second and analyzing them <laughs> wow uh, <laughs> were they ever described as fast play though similar to the the old newbury rules no these these were never described as fast play although they could zip along if you knew what they were doing like any right. yes yeah. they were they had so many eventualities eventually eventually um after a while, we decided that it's all well and good, but public shows, actually, we just need a very stripped-down set of rules. And Ian wrote a very stripped-down set of rules on one sheet of paper. Right. Um, and actually used those afterwards, and they gave just as good a game. Yeah. And uh, I, I then plagiarised them mercilessly myself for my English War Skirmish rules, um, as we do with all these things. Yes. But yeah, yes, they were. Once Upon a Time in the West is, is, is a, an epic work. And I would recommend it to anybody. Was uh, the English Civil War set yeah. uh, once upon a time in the West Country? Is, is that that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I do remember. 
It's and wasn't the West Indies set as well? The West Indies was a pirate set. Right, there you go. There you which go. was swashbuckling fun of the greatest order. Yes. And there was a Napoleonic version called Once Upon a Time in the Western Peninsula. <laughs> I see the theme that's really it's, coming, it's coming through, yes. And I think, I think I just anything in the that. East, it wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> no, no, no samurai rules. That, that's no. just, just right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Tabletop published them for you, and uh, they were out in the wild then. I, I, I do remember that um, I think it was, it was in the back, towards the back of the rules, where uh, I don't know who, who would have written the text, but it said that. Um, Yes, you need a lot of figures for this. And if you do intend to use something other than cowboys, so medieval knights, leave the participation and show games towards. We'll yeah. cover that off. Don't go out there with the medieval knights pretending to be Apache Indians. Yeah. Well, that that's pretty much the way we took it. We, we knew that nobody in their right mind would paint up 650 Bill Indians just to play this game. <laughs> so yeah. Said, yeah, use anything. I think, I think the quote goes somewhere use anything you want, even screws and glue to bits of card. That's right, yeah. It's the game that counts. Yeah, yeah. We hope that people did it. And, well, and I think you hit the nail on the head where you talked about that imagination thing. It didn't matter in that first playtest where you've got medieval knights and longbowmen. Once you're throwing dice, then it doesn't really matter, does it? You're in the moment. You're in that John Wayne cavalry film and trying to hold off the uh, the hostiles that are charging towards you. Yeah, I mean, with that first game, we were throwing the, co- the quotes out. You, you can't help it. You play this game and, and you end up quoting from the films. You go down a pass and go, it's too quiet. It's too no quiet <laughs> round here. Quiet. <laughs> and that's always a trigger for something nasty happening. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and I know that because we've spoken before about this, that... Um, in in the play, many playthroughs that you had and the playtesting, you found that these games created a narrative that you could then yes. recount years later. And there was a, a famous one that I want you to get onto a, a decent recording about uh, women and children in a, in a village. Yeah, the, the infamous I think is is probably the the, um, the best way to describe it. It was it was in the first or the second ever playtest of these rules. We decided to put something in which was save the last bullet um, to save any women and children suffering a fate worse than death should they fall into the hands of hostiles. And uh, I had a, a beleaguered little half uh, cavalry troop which was trying to get some settlers to move from their cabin to get to the fort. And in this game, the settlers don't always do what they're told. Okay. Um, despite numerous attempts, they refuse to leave their little homestead. And all of a sudden, lots and lots of nasty people appeared over the top of the hill. So they hunkered down. They all started shooting. And the completely outnumbered cavalry were just being whittled away one by one. So I took the decision with the last remaining trooper and the officer that would save the last bullets. And just as we'd done the deed, the dice produced a full troop of cavalry right next to the homestead. <laughs> which then produced to do a sabre charge right in the middle of this big crowd of braves who ran away, leaving two very, very embarrassed troopers, uh, or trooper and an officer, desperately searching around looking for arrows to try and stick it to these bodies to 
holes up. Oh, you've, I've heard that now two or three times, Peter, but it gets me every time because what what I love about any war game rules or game that you play is if you can recount a story 20, 30 or 40 years later uh, to your friends and, you know, you've still got fond memories of it, then that, that must mean it was a good game. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was. And it, it's helped. I mean, the other three were, were great. Oh, great guys to play well. But Mike and John were great guys to play with, are great guys to be with. Yeah. And so when you've got a close knit group of friends as we were then, uh, you have some good times. And I have very, very fond memories of that. Yes. So. Uh, never made it. Um, oh, sorry. Car crash in the 19- mid 1980s. Right. Okay. Which was obviously a great personal loss and, and to his friends and his family. But I also think a massive loss to the wargaming world as a whole. Yes. The man was so full of ideas, it was it was untrue. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you the last project. I think it's probably one of the last projects he was working on was uh, a naval game. But being Ian, this wasn't a standard naval game. Okay. I, I don't think you can remember. There's a game called Sea Strike, which was around in the 1970s and 1980s, which was naval combat. Yeah. Clever little game, um, but you had small counters. Uh, with symbols on them um, for the various weapon systems that a ship had. And if you knocked a ship out, or knocked a bit of the system out, you used a chinograph pencil and you just crossed through a little counter. And it played very well. And Ian loved the game. So he decided he was going to just put his own twist on it. So he found a company that made what were effectively big Lego battleships. These things were two, three foot long. Wow. And they all had little things like um, surface-to-air missiles, a little helicopter you could dismount, uh, guns, all, all the weapon systems that you had on these sea strike cards. And he played this in a gym with these giant Lego battleships, <laughs> scaling up the ranges. And, of course, when, when something went, you just took the bit off. Yes, right. And, and Yeah. So you'd need a gym, I'm sure, with a you, ship you two or three gym, Yes, but yeah. it it was just the sheer that that just encapsulated what the guy did. He would take an idea and then big it up and make yeah. it different, and then still make it absolutely understandable. I mean, the, the, I never played one of these. I wish I had. Yes, it was just wonderful, and then that sort of imagination and and sense of fun and sense of inventiveness is something which wargamers need and, and he was a brilliant guy for bringing this sort of thing up i've got the, i've got this image peter that if ever you took that to uh, a show that you'd have one warship down one side of the hall and another ship down the other side of the hall and the shots would have to fly over all the traders <laughs> <laughs> and all the punters and the, and the games and uh, yeah that that's that'd be quite something um Okay, so uh, you you took this sh- show out of the road. I, I take it that you did actually paint up 600 Indians and all the cavalry and all the settlers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Well, effectively, you've got to think it's a group project. It's a club project. So yes. So was doing it. Um, I mean, we we all sat down and did mass painting of uh, Indians. Um, but, you know, if this four of you had it, even with the old-fashioned enamel paint, you can still battle through. <laughs> Gosh. Enamel paints? Enamel paints, yes. Yeah. Well, that's all there was in those days. Uh, when I were a lad. Yeah, we have to hand carve our own paintbrushes, you know. <laughs> um, 
so yeah we, we put that together we all painted up sort of troops of cavalry and settlers we all we all threw bits in ian did the, the, the massive job of doing all the scenics and the scenery and he'd be a great job of it very functional but really nice looking terrain it caught the eye which yeah. is needed you know there was a definite visual aspect to games like this that, that yes was part of the process mm. uh, and yeah it's it a collaborative effort which i think it, it really does need i think it's very hard for one person to do it all by themselves yes and i think when i was in that era where prior to me finding my own local club that's what put me off but it would have been the ideal thing for me to go down to the, and in fact now it will be the ideal thing for me to take down to my club whenever we shall meet again whenever mm-hmm. that shall be uh, and that's a bit unsure at the moment but definitely as a club project I can imagine getting four five or six of you together to share out the the workload to create yeah. it then you've got a game that will serve you many times over haven't you oh it will every game is different and every game is fun yeah. it's that sort of thing it's endless replay value so what happened to all of that kit then? You've got all that scenery, you've got all those figures that you sat down and painted in your enamel paints with your hand-whittled brushes. What, what happened to it? Now, strange you should ask that. <laughs> um, uh, I, um, I'm acting like I don't know the answer now, Peter. Exactly. Yeah, I'll try and remember like I said this for the first time. Yes. Uh, in the process of getting this project together um one of the things which uh, i decided upon very very early is i, I wanted this to be you know a, a, a tribute an homage to to the game to ian to the to the genius behind it all and i wanted pictures of if pro- the original set if we could get them um and in conversation with mike and john uh i said does anybody know where the pony war stuff went because uh, when Ian died, all of our kit, which had been stored at his house, had to go. Yeah. And then it was dispersed. I didn't know where it had all gone. And uh, Mike Bussey, uh, bless him, said, I think it might be up in the attic. I'll go and check. And lo and behold, it's all up there. Wow. It's a bit fragile. It's <laughs> 40 years old and all that, but apparently yeah. it's all up there. And uh yeah he's got it down we haven't managed it yet COVID has got in the way of this project in more ways than you can imagine yes uh, so I need, we need to get a photo shoot because we still haven't got those very vital photos for the rules yeah um uh and yeah he's, he's sort of like treating it very carefully but one thing we did find uh with all of this was something very important when we put the game together Ian was keen to get the bases and the scenery all matching, so it looked like a uh, you know a, a seamless whole. Yeah. So he had a sheet of cloth dyed in a particular shade, and then had that paint colour matched for all the scenery, so all the buttes and the hills, and so that we had loads left to put on the bases of the figures. Yes. And we found a pot of it up there in the attic. 40-year-old pot of paint. 40-year-old pot of paint. And when Mike opened it, it was still there and fresh wow. to use. For <laughs> so all the patching up, we'll be actually be able to use the original paint. Oh, that's incredible. That is incredible, isn't it? 
well whatever make of paint that is they need they need a, a thumbs up i think I, I don't know if the company's still around but uh, that's that's incredible so um what what are you going to do with it other than take some pictures peter surely surely you're going to tell me you're not going to put it in a box again no i i am trying to persuade you that actually i think i've succeeded um that we've got to take it on the road for one last swan yeah, yeah. lost to Rob. It would have been nice to do it to coincide with the release of the rules. Yeah. Again, uh, that, that the C words got in the way. Yes. Uh, but yeah, if if we can, I would like to get it out. I mean, I mean, Hammerhead would be a great time to do it. Yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but whether the, I mean, uh, Paul and Sally are confident that it will go ahead, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but it will at some stage. As soon as we can do it, we're going to get it out. Probably to one of the Newark events because that's that would be quite a good event to take it to, and just uh, let people see what a forty-year-old game is is like, see whether it can still function. Yeah, I, I think like, the forty-year-old guys who are running it can still function. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. I mean, it's only a number, Peter. It's only a number, yeah. isn't it? Um, I was I was quite. Um, I was quite pleased when Sally and Paul put out the message that they are all all steam ahead to get the yep. Hammerhead show uh, going. Obviously, pending what the world looks like come uh, February or is it February or early March? I can't quite remember. February. It's right. February, uh, yeah. Now, now, you, now you put March, you cast the seeds of doubt in my mind. I thought it was it, it's either late February or early March, isn't it? Yep. I think last weekend in February, first weekend in March, something like that. So, because I know Vapart Nartak has cancelled already, hasn't it? So, um, hopefully, hopefully, let's cross everything that that show uh, goes ahead and that uh, we get to see the game if if possible. Because that venue, I think, would be great, wouldn't it? It's very light, it's very airy. Yep. Um, I think I think the Newark Showground is one of the best venues on the, on the show circuit now, to be honest. And obviously we have three shows there every year, don't we, with Hammerhead and the two partisans. So let's hope that that happens. Um, Okay, so we know what's happened. We know the history of Pony Wars. I guess the big question is uh, what the future lies for Pony Wars. So when did this crazy idea come into your head, Peter? Because I know that once you get an idea in your head, uh, you're, you're like a dog with a bone and won't let it go, aren't you? As you, you quite often quote on, on your uh, New Year's Eve uh, treatises that these things will happen. You just don't know when. You, yep. you might say October, but which October is the question. Um, so when did this first formulate into your brain? Well, the idea of reprinting the rules has been knocking around for a long, long time. One of the problems about raising your head above the parapet these days is that your name gets known yes um and so people have been for donkey's years making the connection between me and the guy who appears in pony wars i think are you the peter berry who appears in pony wars can you sell me a copy you know no it's been out of print for a long time are you going to reprint it well no (laughs) <laughs> and you couldn't say no many times before you begin to think should we yes there might be something here yeah uh and it's just been kicking around the back of my head for a long long time 
there have been issues, uh, notably over copyright. Uh, it's a long, long story, but effectively, uh, if the publisher of a rules can claim that they are still publishing, they own copyright and can stop you as the authors or potential authors or part authors. Again, our status is, is under uh, some sort of grey area with all of that. Okay. Or was anyway. Um, you, you can't do anything. Now, tabletop games had passed, changed hands twice. Uh, and uh, two of those yeah, companies had said when I approached them, uh, no way can you publish this, it's still under a copyright. Right. Uh, they uh, the final iteration just seems to disappear completely it just it just went under so that barrier was removed but that had been quite a barrier for quite a while uh, and then of course there's uh, locating uh, ian's next of king is his estate effectively and, and working through that so all the, all those had to be put in place before we could even think about going ahead and that slotted into place about a couple of years ago and then it was deciding what we we're going to do with it yeah uh, and it, it really seriously started to click about a year ago, 18 months ago. But it's all had to be fitted in with what I can, amount of time I can, can devote to it. Yeah, of course. It's not coming out of, it couldn't come out of my leisure time because that yeah. is a premium as it is. Yeah. So it had to be during business time in between doing everything else. So yeah, it's, it's taken time to get to this, to this point. Uh, and, uh, the idea was not to just do a reprint of the original 1980s, you know, booklet for nostalgia purposes, a little, you know, uh, card, self-card coloured cover with some typewritten reproduction of what we did before, yeah. but to actually take it up to modern standards. This is something I really wanted to do, uh, a properly laid out, full colour, fully illustrated set of rules just like any any set of rules you get today yeah to show that it could actually stand with a, a product today uh make sure that when we do the cards cards are part of the game there is a really nice set of, again properly laid out full color laminated cards for games play yeah and so once you really bang up job on it and it's just taken time to pull all these pieces together uh it had to be done outside the auspices of Bacchus. Uh, for various reasons and that's also been something which has taken time so yeah it's it's been kicking around for a while it's just crystallized i'd say in the past year yeah where we are now i remember you talking about it at the jury six last year um and you in one of the seminars actually and i remember one of the questions was uh will you be updating the rules will you be changing anything within the rules at all and I know you've t you've taken the decision to be very faithful to the original set, haven't you? Yeah, all three of us were absolutely adamant about that. Th these are these are our friends' words. Uh, it, it, we we don't have the right to change them. Yeah. Uh, we do have the right to check the spelling mistakes and typos. Okay. Uh, which we think crept in uh, <laughs> when they were originally laid out. There's no spell check back then, Peter. <laughs> uh, no spell check, no. And you're dependent upon it, you know, the person doing the typing. Yes. So yeah, we we we've kept it as it is, and it, we didn't want to move it. Ian Style, this is this is this is our friend we're talking about, and and this is a, as much a tribute to him, an homage yes. to him. So we wanted his words to be there, not ours. Yeah. 
they've got a very exuberant, bouncy way of writing rules. Mm-hmm. Some of it's dated a bit now because he made references to contemporary things, but it's of its time. So that's it. Not a jot in terms of of that bit. Yeah. There'll be some appendices thrown in, um, uh, using them with scales other than 15 mil. Lots of people have got 28 mil setups. Uh, since the rules came out, 10 and 6 mil have become very popular. Yeah. So we'll need to do that. Uh, and I want to see if we can squeeze in an updated directory of suppliers. Okay. The, the suppliers list in the original, <laughs> original text is a bit limited, as I think one of the companies they list is not trading anymore, and there are only three listed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, there's a bewildering number of people now doing Pony Wars stuff in all scales. Yes. yes. So I wanted to be able to put that that list out as well. Uh, and if there's chance, there are some rules which never made it to the original set, which which were added in later. Yeah. And we can get if we can, again if Mike can find them because they're somewhere buried in his attic, I think. Yeah. Uh, we might get those out and into uh, into the book. Okay. If not, I'll get them out as a supplementary sheet as a, you know, as a free pdf yes because uh, they're for railways oh choo choo i think would look absolutely brilliant on the table so i think i think it's important we do things like that it's pretty iconic isn't it a railway uh, in, a, in a western i think yes. and uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that would be great um now i know that uh, since you launched the subscriber offer and started to talk about pony wars uh, as something that is going to happen, as opposed to that prediction 12 months over 12 months ago now, um, you you quite at pains across the, the various social media sites to say that this isn't a Bacchus product, that this is something separate to Bacchus, and very encouraging of people to um, talk about 28 mil and 10 mil and 15 mil and these other scales to say it's it's scale agnostic. Yeah. Um, however. However, um, over the last couple of months or so, maybe a bit longer, there's been one or two sneak peeks of some very nice God's Own Scale 6 mil figures yep. that uh, you, you've put up on, on the back of site. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your intentions with your own Pony Wars range? Yeah, okay. Um yeah, I, I've got to say, I would have been less than human if I hadn't have actually released something through Bacchus to coincide with this. But it's also the, I was also say, incessant demand over the years for something similar. Yeah, uh, it has been a fairly constant um, uh, demand from people, from various people all over the world. So yeah, um, the idea is to reproduce everything, everything you need for the game. Uh, and make it available so yeah people have seen previews of what you would expect the the u.s cavalry uh the, the mounted and dismounted indians and you know the the settlers we're, we're doing all of that uh we're doing the wagons the wagon train a gorgeous little stagecoach you wait till you see this model it is absolutely stunning i'm grinning from here to here peter thinking yeah, about that it's, it's going to be it's really really nice um, I've also got a, a, an incredibly talented figure sculptor and as well as doing the stuff which you've seen I've told him that John Wayne appears three times in different guises in uh, various bits of these rules he is sculpting John Wayne for us um, one of the one of the 
uh, cavalryman. You have to see it close up to see it. He actually features on the uh, picture of the dismounted US cavalry. It is John Wayne, right down to the pose. Okay. And you can see the facial features. Uh, he's, he's done other stuff. We've got the Lone Ranger and Tonto. And he's, again, a beautiful job. Yeah. Uh, a lovely Pony Express rider. We're going to be doing absolutely everything that's needed. Uh, I'm hoping to get scenics done as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm investigating getting some mats done. Okay. Uh, we're adding, I think we mentioned the, the, the rail, the railway engine. We've got that is being made now. Oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my get, goodness. Uh, again, this is over and above, but I want to get the guys actually building a railway building railroad hammering spikes in, carrying the rails down and, yeah. and the gang of Chinese coolies who accompanied every single railroad team. Yeah. Uh, get some new, should get some miners done. Uh, Indian scouts, volunteer scouts, buffalo hunters, the lot. It is going to be a cast of ooh, hundreds. <laughs> you're about to say thousands then, I think, but I think once you you've done another 600 Indians, you're not going to be short of much short of a thousand once no. you've painted everything up, are you? No, not, not not the rate. I keep on coming up with strange ideas. No, <laughs> uh, not strange, yeah, Peter. They're just unique. Yeah, Ev- everything that you would need plus is, yeah. is is the aim. All under one banner in one style. Because the one thing that I have seen pretty much every other scale because I've now been investigating is nobody does anything as comprehensive as that. No. Yeah, some bits here and some bits there and partial bits here. But there's very mm. few, I would call, say, comprehensive ranges. Mm. Oh, and the other thing about this range, which is, is probably very different to other people's, this is Hollywood. I was going to mention this. This, this is absolute, complete and utter rubbish in terms of accuracy. <laughs> well, right. So, we, we obviously, we've spoken about this before and we've both had... An experience where yes. um, somebody has said, "Well, it looks great, but it's it's all very Hollywood." And I put my tongue firmly into my cheek <laughs> as I made I made my response. And I know you you've had something similar, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 Hollywood. I want these guys to look as if they've just been equipped by a 1940s or 1950s um, wardrobe department who haven't got a clue about what they're actually doing, but they know what public want to see yes yeah yeah the guys have got yellow neckerchiefs yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't all the reference material i've given the sculptor has not been historical textbooks it's been film stills right that's that's the way this has been played and i'm completely again unapologetic about that <laughs> i think that's the spirit of this whole thing oh uh, well for that that certain generation that were raised on those B movie westerns on a Saturday afternoon, the John Ford trilogy, um, every Western John, John Wayne ever made. And, you know, this harkens back to that because uh, I'm of the generation where I play cowboys and Indians in the back garden and people of my age, you know, have fond memories of cowboys and Indians. And this is cowboys and Indians, isn't it? It is. This is this is real toys for grown-up boys. Yes. Oh, grown-up girls as well, but certainly yes. that's what that's what this is for. Yes. 
That would be a good tagline for your range, actually, Peter. I think you should make a note of that. I'm not short of a tagline. Be true, fake, <laughs> be back in the more is is all you need. You've just reminded me. Now, you've told me this story about why the subtitle uh, to the rules is uh, Be True Paint Coming Back. Just recount that for the listeners for me. Okay. Um, part of the, the process of the game is it uses a roster sheet of a very old-fashioned method of, of doing a game. And the troops are A, B, C, D, and E. I think you might have F in there. <laughs> if only for novelty value. And what we did was uh, all of the named individuals in there, which would be two officers and two NCOs, are given surnames uh, beginning with the letter of the troop. So you would have Captain Abel, uh, Lieutenant Abraham, um, and so on down. Now, as it happens, three of the four members of the group surnames began with B. Uh, Ian Beck, uh, Mike Bussey, and myself, Peter Berry. So all three of us ended up on the roster sheet, the B troop. And the moment we did that, it was fated. You march B troop out of the fort, whether it was a column of mounted English longbowmen, or by the time we got the guys in the blue thing with the neckerchiefs, blue coats, the neckerchiefs, they still were fated. It was like a complete disaster magnet riding a horse. And they got a target on the back. <laughs> yeah. And no matter what we could do about it, we, we got to a show. Um, and this actually spread because uh, somebody would say, oh, I'm on now. I've got Trooper Cavalry. What have I got? And you see, you've got B Troop. Oh, that was it. Groans written around the tape. <laughs> I love uh, that. I think that's yeah. brilliant. So, yeah. yeah, it had to be. And it's also a riff off a, of an actual film, a quote from a film. Uh, which I discovered the other day is a film called Hondo. Okay. Where John Wayne um, goes and uh, he, he finds a, a, a massacred, uh, isolated troop, goes back to the fort, and he told the, the guy in charge of the, the fort, the colonel, don't send your men out, they'll all get killed. And the colonel says, when a troop gets back, uh, they'll tell us about it. And John Wayne flings his blood-stained pen on the table and goes, a troop ain't coming back no more. <laughs> brilliant so yeah we lifted that one and just tweaked it a bit good good um okay then back to the Bacchus range now um I did put out a call for questions when we were originally recorded uh and I think we've sort of managed to cover off a few of those bits but one of the questions was um how will these be packaged how will these figures be packaged um they'll be different to my the normal backers packaging uh, which is very formulaic um, because it just doesn't fit with the way the rules are put together and I'm trying to get something where people happen to buy excess figures something works together so they'll be packaged according to the quantity you need in the rules uh, or within uh, a dot or so so you'll be buying let's say the, the mounted Braves you need 600 of those in total. Well, I'm not going to sell 600 because that's stupid. Nobody would buy 600 at a time, would they, Sean? Um, <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth on that, Peter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you, they'll probably come 200 at a time um, or, or as near as damn it because come in strips of three. So work out three into 200 and then you can tell how many strips you'll get. Yeah. Um, 
the, the cavalry will come, I think, 60, which will be three troops, and you'll have all the NCOs, the correct officers and everything, to make up three troops. But you need six troops in total, so you can buy two packs to get your six troops. Yeah. Um, I think you need something like um, 70 settlers on foot, so you'll get a package of pretty much near 70 settlers on foot, yeah. and maybe a wagon or two within that. So we're trying to package it so it comes in modules, Okay. So if you want to buy an entire Pony War setup, you can buy every module you want and you've got it all in one go. Or yeah. you can just say, right, well, I don't fancy painting up 600 of these damn things. I'll buy a pack of 200, get them done. And after that, I'll just buy a pack of cavalry. Yeah. And I'll get some settlers in between. You, you can buy them as you need them and put them together. And I think that's a more sensible approach. I mean, I have been asked about doing a, a full-scale box set, as we do with a lot of our rangers. And I looked at that, and, and the cost would be quite prohibitive. Right. Uh, I think we're talking, uh, I think, 250 quid. Yeah. But as a club project, though, um, as, you know, four, five, six people putting into that and, and seeing it as that club project, because as you rightly say, it's it'd be very difficult to do it as a solo project. It'd certainly be a very long-term solo project. But if four or five of you chipped in at the club, then even even at that sort of price, that's that's achievable, isn't it? But if you're buying it in these modules, then you've got the choice. Buy it in, in bit parts um, or jump in and, and get the lot as a yeah. club. Yeah, I'm trying to make it practical. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I think it'll I think it'll get there. People will see we'll see what I'm doing once once the package starts to come out. They'll, they'll see what they do when the first codes get released uh, sometime in November. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Hold that yeah. thought. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a really great idea to say um, there's going to be very little wastage or very little over, that you, you'll tailor these packs specifically for these rules. Yeah. And I, I know that you, you're very open to custom orders, aren't you? And that you'll, you'll if somebody's got... A different set of rules that they want to why would you want to use a different set of rules i don't know but some somebody out there some strange person out there might want to use some different set of rules and you're very accommodating aren't you to yeah uh, within reason yeah within reason yes i don't want to commit you to something there that's <laughs> you have to be careful all gamers will take a, a mile where you give them an inch so yes 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 so within reason listeners <laughs> I'm not committing Peter to anything. Um, but, yeah, that's a great idea that it, on a module basis that even as a club, you could buy half of it one month and then two or three months later, once you've painted up that lot, you can get the second half. So so that's great. So um, there was a bit of interference uh, a few seconds ago, Peter, when you were talking about when this range is launched. You just went yes. very garbled. Yeah, it will all definitely be out of the angle. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a problem on the line again, Peter. I'm having bad flashbacks. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we will be releasing the initial range, and it, it's sort of the basics, when we reopen the cart, which is looking October, probably late rather than middle October. Which year? Yes. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> if, I don't know if Lindy's in the room, but if she could just uh, squeeze you for an answer, that would be great. <laughs> Lindy has very, very, very wisely left me to myself on this. Ah, okay. She's taken a cup of coffee, retreated to the bedroom, ah. and has left me to do this all by myself. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at this October, joking aside. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the first releases, Mounted Dismounted Cavalry, Mounted Dismounted Braves, um, Settlers and uh, Indian Villagers, uh, which covers, to be honest, the vast majority of the stuff you need on the ground. Yeah. Uh, although the, we're doing bits and pieces uh, to add to that, I mean, but haven't sorted out any packaging yet. You can get the artillery from our current American Civil War range. Yeah. The infantry from our current American Civil War range. Yeah. Uh, but we, we may be doing some other figures on top of that later down the line. Mm-hmm. Even the limbers you can get from our American Civil War range. Yeah. Um, you, there's other bits and pieces you can add to that, but the specific Pony Wars releases are going to be those. Fantastic. So... I know one of the most frequently asked questions, aside from when are these rules coming out and when are you releasing the Pony Wars figures is when the shopping cart opens. And it's been well publicised, the issues that you've had over, well, coping in in this lockdown period and through the pandemic. How how are things on a day-to-day basis with Bacchus at the moment? Busy. Yeah, we're not standing still. Uh, we're knocking metal out as quickly as we can. We're, we're, we're going through the raw stuff at a faster rate than I've never, ever known it. We're having to buy in uh, uh, a lot of lead on a very regular basis. Yeah. Uh, but we are also not just standing still with that. We're looking at recruiting or interviewing to get uh, any, another caster in in the course of the next couple of weeks. And we've just commissioned a fourth machine right uh, so the aim is uh steadily over the next three months or so that we will actually have our casting capacity increase quite dramatically yeah and um, i would hope at that stage then to get onto a more regular basis in terms of having the car open yeah uh people may stop panic buying uh, i will have to say uh, uh part of the the impetus is that it's quite obvious it's, it's an awful lot of people panic buying we're still going to be here, chaps. Honestly, you, you, you can place an order and you'll know we will be open again at some stage. You, you know, we're not going away. Uh, so uh, it's it's something we, we want to get out of the habit of just having the car open for 36 hours and then closing it again. We want to go back to our normal state of being. But we do have to build up our capacity yeah. because what we've got to do is to handle an initial surge, which can be massive, get that hump sorted out of the way and then get it back to an even queue which is where we were before yes yeah. uh, so this is why we have to build a power capacity to handle that surge which is a fourth machine and then to get enough people trained to handle the machines as well which is not as easy as you might think no i'm get- sure it's quite a skilled job i imagine yes um, I, I take it the last time the shopping cart was open there's one or two rather large orders was there uh, yeah, uh, it's it's. I think the analogy was I, I, at times it was like watching a python that just swallowed a pig. 
<laughs> Crikey. Yeah, I, I can't begin to imagine how many little men have been uh, flown out to the backers workshop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Quite uh, a few. Uh, Again, you know, I can't complain at any of this. And, and you no, know, thanks absolutely. for the audience, everybody, yeah. you know, large or small, it doesn't matter whether it's a single pack or, you know, half of the Grand Army. Every yeah. order is absolutely uh, received by us, welcomed by us, and we will do our best to get every order out as, as best we can. Yeah. And on, on a similar vein, we're also putting in plans, and next time the cart's open, if we've got the personnel in, uh, to operate a sort of fast track which means that uh, we'll be looking for orders probably under about, I don't know, 50 or 60 quid. Yeah. And we will prioritise those just just to one machine. One machine right. will be given those. So those will be done out of sequence. Yes. So they'll be done ahead of the guys who've put in orders, you know, totalling four, five, six hundred quid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Crikey, so that, four, that's, five hundred quid. That's, that's more than me, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think they're doing it often. It's not a regular thing. Oh, okay, okay. But that, that's the way we're going to work it. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll get somebody to do the smaller stuff and get those out. Because we know how frustrating it is when people just ordered a pack. Yeah. And yeah. I said, well, you can have to wait a numerical order, which is a fair way to do it. So. Yes. Yeah, we, we are thinking about this. This isn't just something we're, we're just accepting and going with the flow. Yeah. Um. Okay, then back to the rules then. So what stage are we at, Peter, uh, in in pre-production or um, the the ordering system that you've got out there? Well, the rules themselves, in fact, the layout is finished bar photographs and uh, a bit at the beginning, a bit at the end. Uh, there's the appendices, which yeah. are written, have got to be laid out. There's the foreword, uh, which we're still knocking around. Uh so that that that's done. We're we're pretty much ready to go to print right. as soon as we, we, we pull the trigger on that. Uh subscriptions. I mean I put out a, a subscription page and people can effectively place a pre order. It's a bit like Kickstarter, but without all the hoops and bells and whistles that you get with Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh I'm looking to get in a pledge of fifteen hundred copies. Yeah. The reason I want to do it that way is um, because it's not a backers. The idea was it wasn't a backers product. This shouldn't be hanging around on on, on our books. This has actually been published by B Troop Books, right? Which is uh, Ian, Mike, sorry, Mike, John, and myself uh, as, as a distinct entity. Yes. Uh, so, as three individuals, we don't have the uh, wherewithal to actually get all of this warehouse it bang it out because we're just three guys who are just doing this uh the take-up hasn't been massive i'd be the first to admit Mm -hmm. Uh, and quite disappointing a lot of reasons for that uh mostly i know uh i haven't been able to anywhere near the amount of publicity for this that i would hope you do because of the 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 dreaded c word yes we'd hope to get a video out um, I would hope to get a couple of magazine articles done, uh, and of course, just going around the shows. Yeah. I, as you know, I can be very persuasive when I get to talk to people. And yes. We've got a big banner, well, a banner sorted out. We haven't been able to do any of that. Yeah. Uh, and that's not really helped the cause either. No. But we wanted to do it this year because this year is the 40th anniversary. Yes. For the and that, that's quite a, a milestone date to do this on. 
Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It, but the, what I have said, I've said this before, but I'll, I'll bear repeating. These rules will get printed this year. If I have to buy the excess copies myself, that enables us to go to print, I will do that. Right. And okay. then take it from there. Because uh, I've had a couple of people saying, you know, I've pledged, but what happens if, if it's go ahead? It's going ahead. It's, it's going ahead. So I can assure that anybody who has pledged or is thinking about pledging or has been put off because they don't know what the, the end result of that is, it's going ahead. And as you've said earlier, I say I'm going to do something. <laughs> it gets done. And you've written the forward, I think, haven't you, to talk yes, about the 40th forward. anniversary? That's right. It says 40th anniversary, and I'm not rewriting the damn thing. So well, for, if you want to for, save me from it, rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> they belong to ponywars.uk. Right. And Dan will sign up. Yes. Do as Peter says, people, because we don't want him rewriting that forward. And the 41st anniversary hasn't got quite the same ring to it, has it? It doesn't. It's not the same cachet. No. And in return, you will get a piece of wargaming history, but also something which will be very aesthetically pleasing. There's a couple of examples of the page layout there. The graphic design is a superb job. Uh, I've seen the rest of it. It's very evocative yeah. and it's, it's lovely. By the time we get the photos in, it will be a, a nice thing to own. Yeah. And you also get the cards in there, properly laid out professional cards. And I know people who <laughs> who've thanked me. I've had letters going down and bending these and thanking me for that because they've in the past had to write them out on file cards by hand. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think there's over a hundred of them. There's quite a few, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I was I trying to top them up earlier on. And we're trying to sneak a few in there which weren't in the original set. Oh, okay. Okay, so there's that, that as an added bonus. Brilliant. Uh, so an, an, anybody out there that uh, is wanting their lead figures cast in a, in a reasonable time, we don't want Peter spending time rewriting a forward that is already written. Excellent point. Yes. Yep. Now, here's an incentive. I'm going to put this on Facebook tomorrow. I'm going to give you a preview. Oh, excellent. This will be In up tonight, wardrobe, by the way. What I have actually found, can you see this? <laughs> I can. I can. This wow. Is, Sean can see this. I'll put a photograph so people can see this later. Yeah. This is the original, one of the original T-shirts that were made for me to wear while we did the games 40 yeah. years ago. I discovered it in my wardrobe. There's Not a piece of history. Survive, but also the uh, the corporate T-shirt. Yes. And indeed, you'll just see, just there, it's even got my name on it. Yes, it has. Yeah. That's lovely. Now, I'll put a picture of that. Currently, we're standing at about 170 subscribers. Yeah. Get us up to 250, and I'll wear that, and we'll see whether it fits me or not. And I'll <laughs> put photographic evidence on Facebook and on my website to sh- so people can see whether I've um, whether it's shrunk over yes. the years. Yeah, I was about to say as it's shrunk. Or whether it fits perfectly. Yes. <laughs> well, it'd be one of the two, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. So people get onto that website, uh, www.ponywars.uk, and let's get Peter in that shirt. <laughs> I don't know how much of an incentive that is, Peter, but it, I, I think it's a great incentive. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as you said, the, the uptake might not have been what you wanted, but 
or as fast as you wanted but i think it's ticking over isn't it and the, the more the word gets out there hopefully this podcast once a reasonable version of it uh is published unlike the last effort uh hopefully this will uh i'll maybe get a couple of extra subscribers on board that'd be lovely um will this I'm, I'm just sorry say this year. yeah this is now reliant on word of mouth yeah yeah because I, I, the marketing side of it's just had to go by the board for, for various reasons yes so given that we're in time of infection this this is the time for a bit of positive infection yes right? if you subscribe tell a mate yeah tell two mates if you can pass one of them to also thinking that's a good idea and subscribing they may then pass it on to someone else and they can pass it on to somebody else so we want to get an R rate of a one for Pony Wars infection. We want exponential uh, increase, that's, don't we? That's right. But it's, 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 it's word of mouth at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Right. If, I've seen it on all sorts of forums, which I wouldn't normally go on because I can't, you know, I don't at the time and be there's so many interest groups and splinter groups and, and little uh, sections all over the internet. You can't possibly get them all. If yeah. you're a blogger, you know, if you're on a Facebook group, you haven't seen this mentioned, you know, just just put it in there. Can't do you any harm. Yeah. And not everybody's going to know about it. People need to need to be told. And uh, say for, for for various reasons, I haven't been able to do what we plan to do. Uh, so let's see if I can ask for a bit of help. I'm just doing a, a quick uh, uh, sum in my brain, Peter, and I'm not very good in maths. But if half the people that listen to this tell two people and half the people buy, uh, sorry, uh, go onto the subscription and the two people that they go onto the subscription as well, or one of the persons that they tell out of the two, then we'll, you'll smash through uh, the 1500 <laughs> mark in no time, Peter. So, um, By the way, I realised just in that previous segment, I must apologise if I'm speaking to you sound like a televangelist preacher. <laughs> I think we're used to it, Peter, with the uh, the, the, pre- the preaching at the pulpit of six millimetre. Um, there's a reason this podcast is called God's Own Scale. Yeah. <laughs> um, we aren't a religious cult, by the way, if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast. We're honestly, <laughs> I think you're on the wrong podcast, Peter. <laughs> the Reverend Peter Berry has spoken. Um, is this something that will go to retail, do you think? Um, if there's a, if there's yeah I, I can see it going to retail certainly it's something which if we don't get the the, the I'll be selling it through the backers side because yeah. I'll buy some yeah if off stock meat. yes I'll buy some off me if you see it from you me. yes yeah I'll wear one hat buy another yeah give right. yourself a discount Peter surely yeah yeah <laughs> we don't like no, that word do we don't like that word no you are a Yorkshireman after all so. yes absolutely. <laughs> folks this is a video call and i can see peter's pained face at that very word so just to let's we'll just go back to that point of how much of a personal project this is to you peter and how much it means to you i know that the loss of ian um at such a young age uh, was a huge blow and that um things were never really the same between uh, your little group again that he was the glue that held your group together but just just tell us how much of a personal project and how much this means to you oh this this is just immense um i i, I yeah it's been 
war game uh, at one level or another since I was, what, 11, 12. And what I would say my real formative years in the hobby, from about the age of 16 through to uh, my mid-20s, it, it was bound up with this little group of four people. And the leader of that group was Ian. And he set the tone. He set the tone of of if you can't find a set of rules, write your own set of rules. If you can't find the figures, pester someone to do the figures for you. Of setting the bar high. I mean, don't just do a project uh, looking at the ground. Do a project looking to the sky. Build a model coliseum. Do chariot racing. Don't do it in 15 mil, 28. Do it 54 mil chariots and do a magnificent, huge model of them. The Hippodrome, you, you've got to have been with this guy to realise how it infectious his enthusiasm and his ambition was. And while I'd like to say that's rubbed off on me, if I've taken a quarter, a half, a left, half of a quarter, a small percentage of what Ian had, then I've done well. Yeah. And his idea of fun and then going out and achieving what you want to do by going, going ahead and doing it has stayed with me ever since. I know a lot to the man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know there are times, even now, when I, I wish you could see this. What would you make of this? I do think on those lines. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a massive, massive personal project, and I know it is for for Mike and John as well. Yeah. We, you know, we we've had uh, several uh, Zoom meetings over the the past few months, and we all can say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it means a great deal to us, and, and uh, that's that's why it will be pushed through, and it will push through as well as we can make it. Yeah. Well, if if this podcast does anything at all, if it gets you a couple of extra subscribers, then I'll be very very pleased to uh, help help it on its way to the target and. Let's cross fingers, touch wood, or, or whatever we do for a bit of luck, and just hope that next year um, we get to see this game, the vintage game, at the show with you wearing that T-shirt, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I'll be there to record uh, the event, uh, hopefully, uh, for for a future podcast. But um, I, I take my hats off to you uh, for for taking this project on, uh, keeping the memory of Ian alive, but also for bringing back what sometimes gets lost in wargaming, and that's the, a three-letter word called fun. fun. And I know that this set of, although I've never played it, I've, I've spoken to numerous people uh, and I've had conversations with you that this is just fun with a capital F. Uh, so hats off you, to you for taking the project on resurrecting it getting it getting it to the stage where it is and it's going to be this it's going to be a nice thing to own not just a a5 staple band uh, rule book like uh, we we were used to back in the day um and that hopefully it gets back on the road next year well i am looking forward to all of that happening but it, it will make it so yeah it's, it's going to be so good to see that game going and if there isn't one version in six mil at the Joe Six next year, I will I will eat my hat. I'll, I'll buy a hat and eat it on camera. I, I think I may have to just be beating them off with 
Yeah. It, it may beat the record for Waterloo for the most repeated game request. <laughs> well, may, maybe we can get a consortium together of all those interested in running it and have yeah. just the one, you know, show-stopping, show-stopping game. One game to rule them all. What, yes, exactly. Okay, Peter, I know that this has been a long road on this video. Oh, sorry, on this, uh, this interview, uh, the third version that we've tried. Thank you for your perseverance. Thank well, you thank for giving you, up. Because you've also had to be at the end. Laughing it's at the same old jokes. <laughs> I may have missed laughing at one or two of them, but I'll, I'll, in edit, I'll put in some yeah, canned put, laughter. Put canned laughter in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, it's me that's been badgering you, Peter, and I, I know that you know you've had a hard day uh, at the grindstone. Um, and I, I'm very glad to say that I received a lovely email from you this afternoon. Uh, telling me that my figures are on the way. I cast them personally. Oh, <laughs> even I better. Zulu. <laughs> I get no special treatment for doing this podcast, folks. <laughs> None whatsoever. You put your place in the queue. Exactly. And uh, like any good British gentleman, I love being in a queue. Yes, thank you, Peter, for your time. Um, I wish the project every success. I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, if everybody who listens to this, spreads the word far and wide. We'll get very close to that goal if we do, even if we don't achieve it. But uh, I thank you for your time, Peter, and uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Sean. Take care.
Right by toes. Yo! Up and next, you wore a yellow ribbon. You wore it in the winter and the merry month of May.